coming to you live from Canada. Here comes your game-changing, life-transforming turning point moment. Ahem. Yes, this is the sign you've been looking for. You're listening to Engage City Church. Powered by hope, not hype. Online at engagechurch.ca. Chapter 5, and it's going to seem random. It's all going to come back together at the end. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. So in an imaginary world where Seb doesn't drink too much of my illustration, uh, this bottle is half full. And we would generally have the conversation about how do you see this bottle? Is it half full or is it half empty? And who's a half empty kind of person? Do we have any honest people in the house? Who's in that? Cheryl. Uh, who's a half full kind of person? Okay, who's dishonest? Keep your hands up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Some of us are half full, some of us are half empty, but I think when we, when we look at the world like that, I think we're asking ourselves the wrong question. The question we should be asking is, where do I get more? Like, why do we care about how much is left in the cup or in the bottle? I want to know, where do I get more and how do I get a bigger, gla- bigger glass, right? Like, I don't care if this is half empty, half full, but we live our lives most of the time, uh, we, we just live based on what is but not on what could be. And so when we think about hope, we think about hope in the same idea. We think about it in the same context or stream of thought. We think of of what is happening right now and hope for this situation, not hope for what could be, not what Jesus wants to do in your life as a total, but what is happening in it right now. And we live from crisis to crisis, from pain to pain, instead of thinking about the total picture that Jesus didn't just save this last two years of your life, but he wants to save your whole life and wants to walk with you through not just this life, Life, but into the next stage, into eternity, because most of us live on what I call me ST, which is me standard time, but Jesus lives on EST, eternity standard time, and he's got a whole different way of looking at our lives and looking at our world. We look at our lives one little piece at a time, and if we're being really, really honest, we look at our lives one problem at a time. We look at life one problem at a time. Oh, what am I going through right now? Well, this thing is the worst. Yeah, but I thought the last thing was the worst. No, but this thing is really the worst. But didn't you make it through the last thing? Yeah. Didn't you make it through the thing before that? Yeah. So what makes this any different? I don't know, but this is the worst, and it's, it's destroying me. It's crippling me right now. No, you're just so focused on the problem that you forgot that there's an answer. I mean, I'm just preaching better than you're responding right now, so I'll try that again. You're just so focused on the problem that you forgot that there's an answer. This is Proverbs 13, 12. We're barely getting there. All right. But the good news is the 10 o'clock was so terrible that anything you do today will far surpass anything. Literally, I looked out and I'm like, I think you all hate me. Like, uh, They're going to punch me in the throat. Okay. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I think, uh, I'm going to trip over all these things. I think Many of us have lived in this place where we can relate uh, with some kind of disappointment where it makes your heart sick. Maybe you thought that that guy was going to ask you to the high school dance and he didn't, and oh, my heart is sick, you know, heartbroken. Maybe you thought that, I don't know, remember when you are a little kid and you asked for the most insane toy of all time that was crazy expensive and you're like, you have no idea how much things cost and you don't get it on Christmas morning, you just thought your parents hated you? You know, we all understand... Oh, the Bible verse is We all understand uh, what that looks like. You know, whether, yeah, <laughs> uh, so my kids have these, uh, 
this little motorized Jeep that my parents got them. Uh, it stays at Grandpa and Grandma's house because I can't live up to those expectations. But grandparents, it's just their job to spoil them. And uh, so I think I posted something on Instagram one time. And, and Christy, one of the members of our worship team and uh, one of our team members, she said, man, your children are embodying all of my hopes and dreams. She's like, I'm still bitter that my parents didn't get me that Jeep at that time. So we all know what it's like to go through life with some disappointment. But we, we, we put uh, this kind of context or this definition around the idea of hope. But here's what we need to understand when we look at this verse. And Chris is going to pop it right back up here. Uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Is that when we're talking about this idea of hope and hope looks good on you. We're not just talking about hoping in hope, right? Like, it's not a thing to have faith in faith. Because faith in and of itself is, is a means to an end. It's not an end. We don't believe in belief, right? That doesn't take us anywhere. We don't have hope in hope for the sake of hope. Even in the idea of I'm just going to be a positive thinker and, and positivity is going to move me forward and get me out of my rut. We, we don't just live a life based on positivity because positivity in itself runs out because if we're being honest, there's only one constant in this earth. Pain. There's only one constant. It's pain. If we're being really, really honest, and if we're being honest with ourselves, there's, there's one thing that stuck with you through your entire life, pain. You're like, that's a real downer on this cloudy Sunday afternoon. Right, but at least we're being honest. But your pain doesn't define you. In fact, I think we might even be looking at pain in the wrong way. Most of us live our lives trying to avoid pain at all costs. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to trust this person because if I trust this person, if I put myself out there, then they're going to hurt me. So we just live alone in isolation. I'm not going to go for that, that promotion or for that job opportunity because if I don't get it, I'm going to be really disappointed and my heart's going to be sick and you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick and the Bible says I'm allowed to be lonely and angry so I'm just going to not do it and I'm not going to go for it. I'm not going to aspire to things in life because if I don't get it, I'm going to feel pain. And so we live our whole lives hiding from pain, but isn't it true that, that pain is a teacher? I mean, if you've ever touched a hot stove as a child and then immediately took your hand off and then never put it back on there, you just learned that pain is your friend. Pain taught you a lesson. Pain taught you how to move forward. Now, it taught you to not touch it, but it also taught you that there's some consequences to your actions. So pain is your friend because it taught you how to move forward. Sometimes we need to look pain straight in the eye and say, you're not going to define me, but I'm going to take the lessons that you're teaching me and I'm going to walk forward because I don't just put my hope in hope that I'm going to get out of this thing. I'm going to put my hope in something more significant. My question is, when we live from problem to problem, when we live from pain to pain, when we live from issue to issue and from trial to trial, why are we so concerned about how things are? You know, we think about this cup. It's like, hmm, I'm not sure. Is it half empty or is it half full? You look at the dress online. I don't know. Is it black and blue or is it white and gold? I don't know. Nobody knows. It's a lie. I don't know. It's a deception. And we think about how things are, but why are we so distracted on how things are? Why don't we focus on how things can change? 
right? Why do we live stuck on, oh, well, I guess this is just how things are. If we look at this verse again in hope, uh, Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. This word deferred is the Greek word, or Greek, it's Hebrew. It's the Hebrew word, my shack. Just turn to somebody and say, my shack. Okay, turn to somebody else and say, your shack. That's not a Hebrew word, but it is now. So, great job you're learning. But that word, my shack, it literally, hope, this deferred, literally means to be drawn out, to be prolonged, to draw away from. But it also means to be scattered. So, what if we thought about this verse in this context, that, Hope scattered makes the heart sick. Hope scattered makes the heart sick. So if you're living a life when you're trying to avoid pain and you're trying to avoid disappointment, you do something that's really smart in investing but really bad for your soul, and you begin to diversify your investment of hope. So you take your hope and you go, you know what, instead of putting all my hope in one place, I'm going to take it out of that one sure thing and I'm going to start putting it into a whole bunch of little things because that way when this thing goes well and this thing goes well and this thing goes well, I'm going to end up with more hope. You know, It's a sound investment strategy, but maybe it's not so great for your soul because you take out your hope and you go, hey, I'm going to take this this hope and I'm going to invest it into a marriage because if I could just get married and if I could just find that person, if I could just find that partner, then everything's going to be okay and everything's going to be great. And then you get married and then you have a kid and then you realize that your kids are jerks and your wife, you're not so sure about her either. And this lady over here is just the embodiment of everything that you actually liked your, about your wife in the beginning. And so you start moving this way, but you just begin to diversify your hope a little bit. Hey, I'm not going to put my hope in just in my marriage because if that fails, I'm going to be uh, in trouble. So I'm going to put it in my job and you begin to put it in this promotion and you begin to invest it over here in your education. You begin to put your hope into that salary, you know, and you finally hit that plateau. Maybe it's, I don't know, what's a realistic goal or not a realistic goal. Six figures, you hit that plateau. I mean, pray for me, I'm not anywhere close, but... You know, you hit six figures, and let's say that that six-figure salary starts with a one. What you begin to realize really quickly is you can't wait until it gets to two, and then three, and then four, seven, nine, 1.2. You know, because you put your hope in those things, and then you get there, and you realize that you're just hoping and hope, and it's never enough. It doesn't ever pay a return that's high enough. And what it does do is you find yourself chasing disappointment to disappointment to disappointment because even if you hit your goals, you end up disappointed again because you don't feel like it's enough. Hope scattered makes our heart sick. I love this thought by King Solomon, considered by many the wisest man to walk the planet in Proverbs 16, 33. We may throw the dice but the Lord determines how they fall. We may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. What are you gambling your hope on today? There's this other portion of scripture that's a little troubling in the book of James. It's only troubling if you really listen to it. So just think about this for a moment. 
Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Just stop there. No, back, yeah. This is a real problem for me. Troubles coming my way, not what I'm signing up for. <laughs> you know, I thought when I just joined this Jesus train that all my troubles would disappear. I would live a happy life and I would sing Christian karaoke every Sunday for eternity. But then we get into it, we get into the Bible, and we discovered that when troubles come my way, not only are troubles coming my way, they will come my way, but I don't even get to pout about it. I get to consider it an opportunity for great joy. What kind of sicko wrote this Bible verse? Well, Jesus' brother, in fact. You know, sometime after his brother was crucified on a cross, you know, a form of torture that was outlawed soon after. Jesus' brother who wrote this was actually one of the original people living in Jerusalem when Nero uh, set it on fire and watched it burn to the ground in an effort to kill Christians. When James wrote this, he was living at a time, just like in the movie Gladiator, where Christians were put in the ring and there was lions and tigers and bears and they sent them out to eat all the Christians on the inside. And if that didn't kill them, they would send some soldiers to kill them. And if that didn't kill them, they would send them some chariots to kill them. So if this guy knows something about pain, then he's got a secret that we need to unlock because when James sees troubles coming, he considers it an opportunity for pure joy. And I do not. So i got to learn a thing or two. When I put my hope in Jesus, I'm not diversifying my investment. I'm putting it all on Jesus. And when I put it all in Jesus, when I double it down, when I'm all in, I consider it pure joy when trouble comes my way. Because though my body may, may be weak, my spirit on the inside looks like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I'm like, hey, trouble, come at me. Come at me, bro. Because when troubles come my way, I'm getting pumped up because Jesus is just getting started. Verse 3. Wow, this is way better than a 10 o'clock service. Okay. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. This is another problem for me. <laughs> because when the words endurance are connected to my troubles, it means it's going to last longer than I would prefer. Right? Right? Endurance is a terrible word because it means a long time. Directly connected to trouble, that means troubles are coming at me, and not only are they coming at me, but they're staying coming at me for a long time. But I get the opportunity when I'm all in with Jesus to not believe just in hope or believe in belief or believe in faith. I believe in a person who's overcome death, hell, and the grave, who now is resurrected because there's no, nothing better than coming back from the dead. There's no way to top that except for bringing everyone else along with you into eternity. So I get to count it all joy when troubles come, and then I get to understand that not only am I happy about it, I'm excited because no matter how long it stays, it's given me a chance to grow. No pain, no gain. Verse 4. So let it grow. Ah. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Hmm. Here I thought the safest bet to live a, a happy life was by avoiding all pain, avoiding all trouble, avoiding all trial, 
keeping the world at bay so nothing could come and get me, I didn't realize that the best way to be complete, meaning that I'm living in wholeness, that I don't need anything else except for Jesus because he's the one that brought me through, meaning that my hope is not deferred, it's fulfilled. I didn't realize that I didn't get there by hiding from pain. I got there from walking straight into it because as long as I'm following Jesus, my muscles in the inside are growing. Because I'm ripping them open and I'm growing bigger ones and stronger ones and I'm getting bigger, I'm getting stronger, my endurance is tested and I find myself full and complete even in the midst of trials, not needing anything else other than Jesus because when he can lead me through that, I know that he's never going to leave me alone. Thank you, Craig, for the one clap in the corner. I appreciate somebody paying attention this morning. Let's move to the next one, verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. This is amazing because it means that we've got a clear pathway to Jesus. Literally. We, we, we just come to Jesus. It's like, hey, I feel like I should ask somebody for some advice on how to, um, on how to get over these troubles and trials and difficulties. Maybe I'll call somebody who's an expert in troubles and trials. Oh, how would I call, uh, well, I would call you, but I don't have your number. And uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll call Craig because he's probably got some answers for me. No, you don't call Craig. Because <laughs> he's got a new phone every three weeks. You, you, call, you don't call Craig. You call the person that Craig calls. His name is Jesus. Because that's the person that brought him through his trials. And when you're going through trials, you go to the person who is the answer. And the person who is the answer is the person that made the whole earth. And it's his very breath that we're breathing right now. So you go to the source. You consider the source. You could call your mom. But she's just going to help you wallow in self-pity. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Can I make you cookies? So great, I get to be troubled and fat. Awesome. I come and I just ask Jesus, and the amazing thing about Jesus is that he's generous, and he, he just answers. Verse 6. But when you ask him, uh-oh, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed. By the wind, verse 7. Such people should not expect to receive everything from the Lord, verse 8. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are, un are unstable in everything they do. So when you made that decision to diversify your investment of hope, what you were hoping to do was create security. What you ultimately ended up doing was creating instability. You're trying to control all the variables in your life, diversified your investments, and I'm going to do this thing, this thing, not this thing, this thing, this thing, to, to mitigate some of the risk related to your pain. And what you did is you actually created some instability in your life. Because when you started putting your hope in other things, you started taking your hope out of Jesus and placing it into people, jobs, promotions, cars, houses, children, and opportunity. Every bit of hope that you invested into those other things required you to make a withdrawal from Jesus. 
And so the only thing that is sure, the only thing that is strong, the only foundation that's worth building on, and you begin to empty your account. Because if I, if I just don't feel pain, I'll feel happy. No, you know how you feel happy? You become complete when you walk through the trials with Jesus and know that it can't touch you. Meaning, yes, there will be trials. Yes, there will be pain. Here's the honest truth. Most of us think that nobody else has experienced any pain ever. Most of us think we're the only person in pain. We're the only person who's gone through a crazy journey. We're the only person that's gone through a loss. We're the only person that has experienced heartbreak or a breakdown of a relationship. No, if you look around this, this room, you're sitting next to somebody who's a champion of pain. Because everybody's gone through pain. Everyone's gone through hurt. Everyone's experienced something. It's time that we started being honest, especially in the Christian community, and said, listen, I'm going through things, but even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because Jesus Christ is with me, and he's bringing a big rod and a big staff. He's going to protect me. He's going to comfort me. He's going to guide me. I don't have to be afraid, because as long as I'm walking with Jesus, who can come at me? They can try to come at me. They may come and firing all, on all cylinders, but God even was smart enough to create a pathway for that, a way of provision for protection for that. The antidote to scattered hope is our only hope, and his name is Jesus. Oh. Romans chapter 5. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. Another one of these verses, they just don't stop. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. Who throws a party for pain? Apparently, these people do. For we know that they help us develop endurance. Verse 4. And our endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how, God, how dearly God loves us. This hope will not lead to disappointment. This hope will not lead to disappointment. When I put my hope in Jesus, even though I go, even though I go through trials, it's going to develop my strength, my character, my endurance. Endurance. Here's the thing. Some of you are so frustrated at God because you've got a calling on your life and you don't know why it's not happening. It's not happening because you keep pulling out of the process. You keep pulling yourself out of the process and God says, I can't put you there until you've got the character to balance out your calling because you're going to be a sinking ship. You're going to be unstable. <laughs> so he, he's, he's pumping the brakes on you because you're pumping the brakes on you. So if you need to be mad at somebody, be mad at you because you're pulling out of the process when God's trying to put you through. Now I need to put an asterisk there because I just said put you through. God doesn't bring any of that on you. You're living, we're living in a broken and a fallen world, okay? So we go through things. Life happens. Pain happens. Sickness happens. Good news is we know the answer. We don't think about the problem. We think about the answer. We focus on Jesus. We don't put blinders on, though. Some people think that in order for me to have faith for, for a particular situation, I just need to put the blinders on to all the circumstances of life. So, no, things are great. Things are happy. I'm not going to say that things are bad. I'm not going to say that I'm sick. I'm not going to say that I'm going through pain. I'm not going to say that my marriage is a nightmare. I'm not going to say that my kids are jerks. I'm not going to say that my mom's sick. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say, as if that's going to fix the problem. No, you're just burying your head in the ground. You're an ostrich. Just hanging out down there. You're putting your faith in avoidance, not putting your faith in Jesus. 
because at least then I don't have to confront it. Okay, eventually you will. And if you don't have to confront it now, you'll have to confront it when it comes around in, the, in terms of loss. So much better than the first service. It's crazy. <laughs> and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. This hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given the Holy Spirit to fill our lives. And this is where we started. Verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. So how do we know that we can trust Jesus? Oh, that's no problem, because when we were utterly helpless, Jesus came at just the right time and died for us sinners, meaning he died for the worst parts of us, not only the best parts of us. You thought that it was your nice smile and great personality that he died for, but he died for that little crazy person that lives inside of you that wants to kill everybody. That's, that's, that's who he died for. And he's, he's working on that person. And sometimes, uh, you know, he uses the thing in your life to work on that person. He doesn't send it, but he uses it because it's there. And he teaches you and he guides you through and he shows you that he's faithful. And he shows you that he, he answers. And he shows you that he answers your, your questions when you ask them. And he shows you that he answers your prayers. And even though the outcome is not always what you exactly want, it's exactly what you need at just the right time, at just the right place. And sometimes it's not. But here's the thing. When I live in me ST, in me standard time, I'm so focused on my problem that I can't see the bigger picture. But the bigger picture is this, that though I might not get the answer that I want in this lifetime, Jesus died for us, not just for this life, but for eternity as well. There's no greater healing than eternity. There's no greater wholeness and completeness than eternity. But we're like, I can't think of anything else other than this world. This world is a blip on the radar. You know how long eternity is? Real long. Forever. And if I'm being, okay, this is where I get real honest. And I really want to drink this water, but it's Seb drank it, so it's gross. Um, <laughs> germs, beard germs on the bottle. Eternity is such a crazy thought because it has no end. And my brain doesn't know how to process no end. So why do we live focused on the problem when we could be focused on how things could be, not only in this life, but also in the next? When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Wow. That's how we know he's going to show up. Because he showed up originally before we ever knew that we needed it. Before you even breathed your first, first breath, he showed up for you. He did something on the cross for the worst part of you <laughs> that you would never even think to do for the best of the best on this planet. He willingly gave his life, and not only did he give his life, but the Bible teaches us that he bore the weight of the sin of the world. 
on his shoulder. That's a lot of sin. I mean, just Seb's list is extensive. <laughs> Mine is even worse. And that's two. And he put it all on his back. And if you think that Jesus was pumped about that activity, <laughs> you forget the scene where Jesus is kneeling by the rock in the Garden of Gethsemane. I don't know. My grandma had this picture on her wall, and it's super creepy. Uh, Jesus, of course, white robe, blue sash, kneeling by a rock, praying and says, Father, you know, if there's any other way. And not only is he praying, not only is he crying, but he's perspiring blood. Because there's quite a bit of stress on someone who's about to die in one of the most inhumane ways possible, also carrying the entire weight of the world. I think that if you offered Jesus and said, how about you just take the physical death? He, like, the physical death is preferable to the feeling of dying with the weight of all the sin of the world on your shoulders. Right? I mean, let's put it in context. Thank God that Jesus does not live his life avoiding pain because it was his pain that created a pathway for me to move forward, for me to be forgiven, for me to have a destiny, for me to find wholeness and health and healing. Thank God he's not afraid of the pain. In fact, he walks into the pain and he stares at it and he says, I'm coming for you because on the other side of that pain is hope. On the other side of that pain is life. On the other side of that pain is eternity. Thank God he didn't hide in a garden behind a rock if it was me I'd be hiding so I know that I can trust Jesus to help me get it through because he knows what pain looks like he knows what pain feels like he knows more pain than my body could even handle and so I can trust him because before I even no, knew that I needed him. He already came through for me. When we diversify hope, our investments begin to send back some signals to us. You know, if, you've, if you're investing in your career, it says, listen, I'm going to need some more time. I'm going to need some more energy. I'm going to need some more money. And you go, okay, well, I'll just keep giving it because you're putting your hope in that thing to help you make it through. If you're putting all your hope in your family, can I tell you, kids always need more. And you're always going to want to give it. They just bleed you dry. Still. They're adults and they're going to bleed you dry still. If you put your hope in them, they're going to send back messages that says, I need more. I need more of your love. I need more affection. I need more of your time. I definitely need more of your money. I need more. I need more. I need, if you put all of your hope in a relationship, that person's always going to need more. But this is what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 
13, 17. An unreliable messenger stumbles into trouble. Did you know that when those investments of hope start speaking to you, that they're unreliable messengers and they're going to lead you into trouble? Time and time again. If you keep saying, I need to do this, I need to do this. If you're tossed to and fro, you're unstable because you're moving to this thing and then this thing and then this thing this and this thing. You're always putting out fires and you're moving from this thing to the next. You're going to find yourself in trouble, but a reliable message messenger brings you healing. The only reliable messenger, his name is Jesus Christ. And he always brings life and he always brings hope. He always brings healing. He always brings wholeness and he always brings completeness. You're feeling broken. You're feeling alone. You're feeling angry complete when you walk with Jesus you can walk through the trials and only when you walk with Jesus do you get on the other side and feel like yeah we made it and I'm whole I'm whole I'm whole you've been listening to the Engage Life powered by Engage City Church if you like what you heard check out engagechurch.ca